What's going on out there, everybody? Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, and welcome to the latest installment of the Man Cave Huddle. And I'm your host, Greg. Today's episode, I want to talk about the most famous slap that was heard across the world. A little bit of NBA. Let's talk about the college tournament. I really haven't touched on that, but uh, let's let's get into the college tournament. So, first off, let's talk about the slap heard around the world at the Oscar Awards. Will Smith, well, I don't want to say it starts off with Will Smith. Chris Rock was making some jokes like comedians do, and maybe he went in a little far and made a joke regarding uh, his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, and she has alopecia, and... Chris Rock made a joke about her bald head and Will Smith didn't appreciate that. So he walked up on the stage and slapped the aforementioned Chris Rock. Now, a lot of people have conspiracy theories about this and that and that and this. To me, for a conspiracy theory to be true and for it to be believable, there has to be a game. No matter how crazy it seems, there needs to be some type of gain out of it. So... If you look on the Chris Rock side, people are saying his ticket sales from his comedy show went from like $46 to $340. I don't know if Chris Rock said slap me to improve sales for my comedy show. This was an all for the first time black behind the scenes production crew for the Oscars. People are saying they did it so that crew could have a little bit of notoriety. I don't know if you want to be known as being part of the crew for the most egregious incident ever on Oscars air. People are saying that the Oscars ratings are slipping and they needed something to spice it up. To me, I don't know if the Oscar ratings are slipping or a lot of movies that they talk about are that are up for Oscars people haven't seen. Because I know when I was younger and you'd see the movies that were up for awards, you were like, oh, I remember those movies in a movie theater. Oh, yeah, I saw that movie. But now there are movies that are nominated and they're winning. And you're like, I didn't even know that movie was out. I didn't even know that movie existed. Take, for example, the movie Coda went went on Apple TV, won Best Picture. Obviously, not a lot of people saw it unless you have Apple TV. But that's just an example of I think a lot of people aren't watching because they don't know half the movies that are up for awards. You know what I'm saying? And another part is, is that it gets political. At the beginning of the Oscars, there are a lot of political jokes made towards the Republican Party. And maybe the Republicans are like, I'm turned off by this and I don't want to watch it. That all could be part of why the Oscars are slipping. Or people are saying Will Smith did this to bring more attention to the movie King Richard. Because there are... Uh, I don't know if it's official, but I know streaming wise, it hasn't done great. I don't know when it's going to be released in a movie theater, but maybe they did. All those things could be true. I am not sure if it is because um, when he walked up there, that slap was real. At first, you thought it was skit and everybody was like, oh, man, these dudes are actors. So maybe it's just part of a skit. But then when Will Smith sat down and said, keep my wife's name out your mouth. And then he said, I said, keep my wife's name out your mouth. And he kind of, the bass kind of was raised as he said it the second time. I know he's an actor and a damn good actor. He won an Oscar that night. Could he have been faking? Very well so. But in saying that, that felt kind of real to me right after the slap. And hey, man, 
you know, Jada Pinkett, because this is the thing. I'm thinking right after Chris Rock said the joke, Will Smith laughed, that generic ha 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 laugh, but Jada Smith, she didn't laugh at all. She rolled her eyes. And then maybe Will looked at her, saw that it pissed her off, and in the split of a night, he had to defend his lady. Man, um, for me, I just don't know where the gain is for the conspiracy. So that's why I think the, the slap was real. Uh, I think Will Smith is a good guy. He just had a bad moment. And maybe that Red Table Talk episode with the whole entanglement situation and getting made fun of over the years, maybe it's still harboring inside of him. And he just slapped. He snapped. I didn't say slapped. He snapped. And at that point, he just did what he did. But, you know, uh, my thing is, is this. Now, after that happened, is comedy dead? Because, you know, jokes now from comedians are starting to offend everybody. I mean, you can't make fun of overweight people, black people, white people, Asian people, lesbian people, gay people, straight people. You can't make fun of people that have any type of uh, issues going on. You can't make fun of people's economic status. I mean, you could sit there and say, well, people could make fun of their own life experiences. But what if somebody says, what about my overweight uncle or my drug addict cousin or my gay so-and-so or my family? Those particular parties are going to come out and have a problem with that. I mean, for all of those that are old enough, or maybe you could watch it via social media. I mean, on YouTube, Eddie Murphy Raw, classic. But that movie could never, ever, ever be made today in the world that we're currently living in. And I feel, it, for me, that comedy is dead now because now you have to watch what you say and everybody's going to be offended. So now what do you do? Pick on the, the people who you feel least will be offended or clap back at you or slap back at you? Who knows? Time will tell. But um, that's my, my, my take on the whole Will Smith slap situation. Let's talk about the NBA. Now, talking about the NBA, there are a lot of teams right now in the East. It's just crazy, you know? I mean, it's, it's, it's all about winning and losing between the Heat, the Bucks, and the 76ers, and Boston. I mean, you could lose two or three games in a row and go from, like, the first seed to, like, the fourth seed. I mean, the, the, the Bulls were right there, and they were the number one seed and they had a bad week where they lost like five or six games in a row and went from the first seed to the fourth seed, lost a couple more games. And now they are struggling to hold on to the fifth seed. Percy, for me, when I look at the bulls, I think this is an experience for the entire team because these are guys that are other than DeMar DeRozan that aren't used to playing in the playoffs and don't understand the intensity of playoff basketball and how you need to be ramping up towards the playoffs and not plateauing because you want to be in a type of rhythm and sync so that when the intensity of playoff basketball hits, you're already there. Not many teams, you got to be real special, like a, a, a Warriors or, you know, when, when the Lake, when, when, when the Heat had Wade and um, the Braun, you know, teams like that where you could just turn the switch and all of a sudden you, you, you play off ready. So, um, I firmly believe experience is the best teacher. Bulls are going to learn a lot about themselves in the postseason. Um, you got teams like Cleveland that are real young that are going through the same thing. Toronto, they've shown a lot of fight, but they're winning. Like now is the point where there's like six or seven games left for each team, and each win means something. 
because it could mean slotting, placement, playing around, so on and so forth. I mean, you look at the Western Conference, you're talking about the Lakers. I'm not too sure the Lakers want to make the postseason. I'm not too sure LeBron is like, man, I can't wait to get into the playoffs because when I do, we're going to turn it on. Dudes ain't scared of the Lakers like that no more. Plain and simple. The way they playing, they are not scared of the Lakers like that anymore. I don't know if the Lakers could get in and win some playoff game rounds. I mean, they blew a 20-point lead in the game they needed to win against the Pelicans. Brandon Ingram didn't even play in that game. So I think for me, it might be a, hey, Anthony Davis, you don't need to come back, bruh, bruh. We good. LeBron, say something's bothering you, and you don't got to come back either, bruh, bruh. And my man, Russell Westbrook, I don't want to make it seem like it's his fault that this whole season is the way that it is. But he, um, I think, disappointed. But they could have overcome some of um, the non-Russell Westbrook expectations. But I think what's killing him the most now is what he's saying in the media. I know a lot of people feel like you don't need the media. The media is this and that. We don't care about the media. It's all about, you know, uh, the play on the court. Well, look, man, there's something called, you know, media etiquette and knowing how to not say nothing. And sometimes you might want to say something, but you got to say it in a type of way because, I'm sure Russell Westbrook is frustrated and pissed off and bothered and upset at the way the season's gone. But when he speaks to the media, man, he's just like he came into the season with no expectations. Very confrontational with reporters were asked what's going on with the season. And he's like, well, you know, is the season over? Is the season over? Do you know what we, do you know what we need to do to win? Do you tell me what we need to do to win? And, you know, to me, I think... Um, he reminds me of an Allen Iverson in this sense. Allen Iverson needed to have the team built around him. And that's when he was able to excel because when he went to other teams like Denver and Detroit, he wasn't the same Allen Iverson because he needed to blend in and use his talents with other players. They weren't building everything around what he did. And, they're saying Russell Westbrook might leave the Lakers. And this might be, you know, he was, this might be the fifth team next year in his five years. I mean, you talk about Oakland, Oakland, Oklahoma City. He felt like it was time to leave and go win a chip. Went to Houston. It didn't work out. Then he went to Washington the whole season. It didn't work out. And then towards the end, when they finally started playing and the way he wanted and started channeling everything towards his skill set and players starting to acquiesce to his system of things, they started winning and they made the playoffs. But now he's on the Lakers. They needed him to kind of find his role with his skill set with a LeBron James, with an Anthony Davis, with the Carmelo Anthony, and it never happened. Now next year could be the fifth different team. I think he needs to go to a team where they might not have a lot of expectations, and the team can be built around him. And it doesn't matter if they win or lose on a night-in, night-out basis. He could get triple-doubles and score 30 points. And that's it. Because that's just what it seems to be with him. I could be wrong. But there are a lot of players that 
chose not to play with him because of that. But like I said, it's not his fault that the Lakers are where they are. It's just a lot of things didn't click, a lot of players, injuries, things that just they didn't expect to happen. But then when you look at teams like the Suns, they're just going through everybody right now, looking like the best damn team in the NBA. And you're looking at the Warriors where when um, you had Draymond Green come back and said that he expects to win a championship and now they're just getting slapped up by other teams in the, in, in the league. It's, that's why sometimes I don't like making bold predictions like that to the public because stuff like that comes to haunt you when it doesn't happen because then they're going to ask you, well, what happened? And then you got to explain or pretty much not everybody is built like a Kobe Bryant where Kobe Bryant will come out and say, we suck today. We play like crap. We ain't shit. That's what Kobe Bryant will come out and say. Players like that don't say stuff like that nowadays. There's always like a reason why the team is losing where Kobe Bryant was like, we suck. That's why we lost. Next question. Right? So, um, I think the Warriors can make, well, not I think, they will make the playoffs, but now you're beginning to wonder, is the window kind of closing with the Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green era, and one of them might need to be moved because Jordan Poole proved that he could he he got game, and maybe they need some other role players. But in the end, it's all about Chef Curry and him knocking down them threes and see what's going down with um that. So um, let's also talk about you know the um some some baseball. You know baseball is about to ramp up. You know, with baseball being in their lockout and then coming back from their lockout, you truly would have thought that it would have been baseball's time to hold the headlines every damn day in the sports media. And football, once again, just proves to you how they are just head and shoulders above everybody in sports. I mean, they had a Super Bowl not too long ago, and these dudes every day have your phone blown up. Breaking news. Devontae Adams, breaking news. Russell Wilson, breaking news. Tyreek Hill, breaking news. So on and so forth. Players getting traded. Players getting signed. And you have the MLB season about to start, and you're like, oh, tip, it's next week they're going to play? Where it's like you're looking at you're looking at football. They haven't even had their draft yet, and they're already on mock draft 2.0. I mean, I tell you, man, when you look at football, I mean, that is just some secret sauce they got over there. Whatever they whatever they sprinkle their sauce on, it just blows up. Now with baseball, season's gonna start. I'm gonna try and get into some of that. Obviously, you got your uh, your usual contenders, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Dodgers. You know, all the Padres going to really be in it. I, I forgot to play his name, but uh, the guy that has that really has been playing well for them, he um, has an injury. He's not going to be able to start for the season. Obviously, we all know pitching is going to be a big part. What teams have the best pitching? And Toronto... Uh, the Toronto Blue Jays obviously play in Canada, but Canada still having the rule that if you're not vaccinated, you can't enter the country. So players on MLB teams that are not vaccinated will not be allowed to go to that country. Will those not like, for example, the Yankees are playing nine games in Toronto, that Toronto is a rival of the Yankees. Will it come down to any one of those nine games making the difference in where their playoff seating will be? We'll see. 
as the season goes on. But, um, you know, there's 160 games. I don't want to say nine games is going to make a difference, but when it's your arch rival, you never know when it comes to the end of the season. Okay? So, um, now I want to leave you with a quote, and this quote that I want to leave you with is one that after the slap took place and you went to commercial break, you had guys like Denzel Washington and um, Will Smith's publicist um, and Tyler Perry walk up to Will Smith and try and calm him down. And then after Will Smith won the Oscar for King Richard, he was crying and amidst him crying, he said that Denzel Washington told him that at your highest moment, be careful. That's when the devil comes for you. And I was like, wow, because that was probably the worst moment of Will Smith's acting career. You know, I mean, this is him winning pretty much the the, 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 the MVP trophy. And then he won't be remembered for that. He's going to be remembered the night that he slapped Chris Rock. But the quote is this. At your highest moment, be careful. That's when the devil comes for you. We always got to be mindful and we always got to be humble because the higher up we get, the more of a target we become. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye, everybody.